some of you will remember quite a number of years ago, we had a pastor from the United States come and uh, minister to us called James Ryle. And uh, he was telling us that uh, one time, the night before he was going to preach at a uh, church in the next town, God gave him a vision. And on this vision, there was this uh, huge big billboard next to a highway, and next to the billboard was a little pink pig. And uh, James said to the Lord, what does this mean? And God didn't answer him at all. And so he began to think of all those verses in the Bible that mention pigs. And maybe some of you can, can uh, remember some of those. And he thought, maybe the Lord's trying to tell me that um, the people would be like pigs that went back to their wallah in the mud after they were cleansed. Or, or maybe there's going to be demons in the meeting tomorrow and I'm to cast those demons out into the pigs. And, um, or perhaps even I should not even bother teaching because it would be like casting pearls before the swine. But anyway, he was going to quite ridiculous levels to try and solve this riddle and he just couldn't come up with anything that just settled in his heart. So he went back to the Lord and he said, um, God, he says, I, I just can't seem to see what you're trying to tell me through this vision. Um, what are you trying to say? And uh, the Lord said, James, did you read the billboard? Oops. He hadn't even thought about that. He couldn't recall the vision. So he was unable to say what was on the billboard. So James just said, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm just really sorry. I was just so taken by that little pink pig that I didn't even look at the billboard. What did it say? And God showed him the billboard, the vision again. And the words that were written on the billboard were, don't be distracted. So what little pig's got your attention? I want to talk about what's got your attention uh, this morning. You know, in Luke chapter 10, uh, Martha was a bit like that. Uh, Jesus had come to visit the home of Mary and Martha. And the Bible tells us that while Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, uh, Martha, on the other hand, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And I want you to note that there were preparations that had to be made. They were all good things. Uh, but it was just not the right time to be doing those things. And, and Jesus said to Martha, she said, he said, Martha, Martha, uh, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And that just reminds us that in everyday life with so many bits and pieces going on, it's just so easy to be distracted and to miss God's billboards and his plans and purposes. You know, God is speaking all the time with billboards, but we get so caught up focusing on the little pigs that we miss what God's saying. So this morning, what's got your attention? Because whatever gets our attention gets us. When something captures our focus and our attention for any length of time, we, we actually give it permission and power and access into our life. And it impacts our heart. Proverbs 23, 7 in the King James Version says, 
for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, we become what we focus on. That's why the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And so it takes effort to train ourselves to focus on good things. A few weeks back, I was um, playing golf. And um, I'd hit my ball up towards the green, and there happened to be a bunker between the ball uh, and the green. And uh, so, not wanting to stick it in the bunker, I decided to focus. And so I did. I said, don't hit it in the bunker. Don't hit it in the bunker. Don't hit it in the bunker. And I got it and I lined up and... All right. Straight into the bunker. Straight into the bunker. A few weeks later, and I was so disgusted, I thought, why on earth did you hit that ball in the bunker? Do you know why I hit the ball in the bunker? Because that's what I was focused on. Last week, put my ball in a similar situation, but I'd learned. And this time, I picked out a spot on the green and thought, right, I'm just going to land that ball just there. It'll just be all nice. Perfect. On the green, foot from the hole, tapped it in for a par. Why the difference? I changed my focus. Changed my focus. That's what happens in life. You know, we focus on the negative and we give it power in our lives. So the first thing I want to say is don't focus on negative stuff. Don't focus on past mistakes and past hurts. Philippians 3.13, the apostle Paul is saying, one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind... Forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, I let go of all that stuff that's behind. I let it go. Don't let your life be dominated by regrets and if only. How many people here have ever made a mistake that they regret? Is there anybody here who has never made a mistake that they regret? Well, that's, if someone put their hand up, that'll be the first mistake you made. <laughs> Definitely. But every one of us make mistakes. Every one of us have had troublous situations and circumstances. But we don't want to let our life be dominated by those. If our focus is on the past, you'll give those thoughts power in your life today. Jesus came to set us free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set captives free. But often we keep on replaying negative situations and circumstances in our mind. Have you ever watched a cricket match on TV? One day cricket, poor guy, Taylor, drops the ball and slips. What do they do? They replay it. They replay it from three or four different angles. They replay it with a slow-mo. They show exactly how he made that mistake. Poor guy, if he was watching the match afterwards, he would be up there and we'd be thinking, oh, no, that looks so easy and I just dropped it. But the reality is we do those slow-mo replays in our mind over and over and over and over and over and over again 
And what that does is it just reinforces that. It changes our focus onto that. And it gives that thought, that situation, that circumstance, power in our life. And it gives it the power to access our heart and change the way we feel and change the way we act. Replaying hurts gives those thoughts access. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, really critical verse. It says this, The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, we can break the power of past mistakes and past hurts in our lives. We can forgive those that have wronged us and ask for forgiveness for our mistakes, but then we have to let go and stop making the past our focus because we empower it to bind us. Our future is ahead of us, not behind us. God's open doors are always ahead of us. So start looking forward. I was talking to a friend who was uh, telling me about his boat trip out to the Hen and Chicks before. And I guarantee that when he was heading out to the Hen and Chicks, he wasn't looking at the wake behind him from where he'd come. He'd be looking at where he was heading. And that's what we've got to do in life. Don't focus on past mistakes and past hurts. Number two, don't focus on sin. Is there anyone here who has never sinned? That's pretty good. So every one of us are dirty, rotten sinners. Turn to the person next to you. Look them in the eye and say, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. (laughs) Every one of us. Every one of us. Every one of us have blown up. Every one of us have made mistakes. Every one of us have left Jesus Christ out of our lives. That's where we've come from. But we're not focusing on that. We should be focusing on what Jesus Christ has done for us and given us, and that's his forgiveness. You know, if you are regularly plagued by sinful habits, and guys, especially pornography, you have to learn to run from them and not focus on them. When Potiphar's wife wanted to have sex with Joseph, what did he do? He ran from the situation. He took off. And you compare that to what happened when David was just on top of his roof looking down and he sees Bathsheba there naked bathing. What does he do? Takes a good, hard, long look. Big mistake. Big mistake. Because that extra look, that focus, ended up costing him his kingdom, committed adultery, committed murder to try and cover up the adultery, blew it completely. Why? Joseph ran, David took a good, hard, long look, changed his focus. You know the Bible, not once in it are you told to resist temptation? We're told to resist the devil And that's quite different. But the key to overcoming temptation is not to push back, it's to change your focus. Whatever gets your attention gets you. The battle for sin always starts in the mind. 
That's why the Bible says, thinking about your commands will keep me from doing some foolish thing. Why? Because if you're thinking about God's truth, you're not thinking about the damaging stuff. It's true in every single area of life, good or bad. If you focus on godly things, it's going to pull you in that direction. If you're focusing on damaging things, it's going to pull you in that direction. Whatever your focus on is going to get your attention. And whatever gets your attention is going to get you. I remember in the early days when I was working for New Zealand Dairy, I was driving a lot uh, through the Hauraki Plains, going to various factories from Reparoa down south um, up to East Tamaki. And I'd be driving along, not thinking about anything, and then suddenly this, this, this thought would come into my mind, which was just blur. And uh, I thought, man, where did that come from? Sometimes I'd start to think about it, ponder it in my mind. But then I learned, hey, that wasn't coming from me, that was coming from the enemy. So what I learned to do is when those thoughts came in, I just started to praise God. Just changed my focus. It's amazing how those thoughts just disappeared and how the enemy stopped attacking me in that particular area and that particular, particular time. Temptation always follows a predictable pattern. Attention, arousal, action. Your mind gets hooked, your mind and emotions kick in, and then you act on it. The key is to ask forgiveness for your mistakes and then change your focus. So you don't find a temptation, you turn your mind to something else. It said in the verse that we read, we capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. You can't always control your circumstances. And you can't even always control the way you feel. But feelings always follow thoughts. Okay? If you feel really down, there'll be some thoughts that are causing you to feel that way. An example which I've told you before is imagine you're driving along, and I know this is not you, but. Um, I've been driving along sometimes, and I've been driving on just over the speed limit, just, just a tiny little bit, and driving along, and suddenly, behind me, I see the flashing lights of a police officer. If you're like me, and I know none of you ever have been in that situation, but if you had, what happens to your stomach? You suddenly get all knotted. And you think, what a waste of money. And even worse than that, you think, my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> so you pull over to let the policeman come up alongside you. And then suddenly, boom, he goes flat out past you. What happens? Oh, praise you, Lord. Oh, man, you're so good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, you, you, just, you just change completely. Why? The way you feel follows the way you're thinking. So if you want to change the way you feel, change the way that you're thinking. There's always a choice as to what we meditate on. And if you change the way you think, it changes the way you feel, and that'll change the way you act. And everyone here this morning, it doesn't matter what your situation is, doesn't matter what your circumstance, doesn't matter whether... You are away from God or whatever. You are just one step away from getting back on track with God. 
And that one step is usually, God, please forgive me for all the dumb things that I've been doing. Please come into my life. Forgive me for those stupid things. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to know you afresh. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, and by the way, that joy was you. The joy wasn't the cross. The joy was you and the relationship that you were going to have with God the Father as a result of what Jesus Christ did. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So there's a number of things in that verse, but central in that verse is let's fix our eyes on Jesus. In other words, keep our focus on the right things. Keep our focus on God. Keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Because that is going to impact the way that we see life, the way that we do life. So what do we focus on? And that verse has told us. What do we allow to capture our attention? Well, we want to let God and what he's saying and doing capture our attention, fixing our eyes on Jesus. To Joshua, before he went in and took the um, promised land, God said to him, this book of the law, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And that's true today. If you want to be prosperous and successful, get the word of God onto the inside so that you can bring it up. Now, you can't be reading the word of God 24-7. But in your job, If you've got the Word of God deposited within you, it'll be amazing how that will come up and how that will give you wisdom in situations and circumstances. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and then all these other things will be given to you. And in the verses before and after, God's saying, Hey, don't worry about this and worry about that. Uh, There's enough problems uh, tomorrow without, sorry, there's enough problems today without worrying about tomorrow. No, just seek God's kingdom first. Do things his way, and then all the other things will be added. And then in Philippians 4 verse 8, I love this, um, this version. It's from um, Peterson's version, I think, the message. It says this, summing it all up, friends. I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. And our biggest problem really is that we don't give God our attention. We're asking God to reveal his presence in our lives. We all want God's provision for our lives. We want to see his plans and his purposes for our lives come to pass. But the reality is we don't give him our attention. And 
we pray as if we're trying to get God's attention. The reality is we already have God's attention. We know we have God's attention because he loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. We know we have God's attention because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We know we have God's attention because God says we do. I just love that verse in Isaiah 49, 15. It says this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, and that's pretty hard to imagine, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, if I, I have you engraved on the palms of my hand, your walls are ever before me. I like to say a modern translation of this verse would be, see that fridge over there, guys? You're on my fridge magnet. If God had a fridge, you would be on it. On our fridge, we've got drawings from the grandkids. We've got things to remind ourselves of. Well, God's saying, hey, look at my hands. You are ever before me. You are always before me. We don't have to strive to get God's attention. We don't have to yell to get God's attention. We don't have to work ourselves up into a frenzy or a froth to get God's attention. We don't have to do a lot of stuff to get God's attention. We have his attention already. So we need to live life in the shadow of eternity, knowing that we already have his attention. And so when I come before God, when I worship him, when I pray, I'm not trying to get God's attention. I'm giving him my attention. The songs that we'll be singing, singing this morning, we're not trying to say, hey, if I sing a nice song, God's going to hear me. He already hears us. What we're trying to do is change our focus. We're trying to make sure that he has our attention. Sometimes we don't sense God's presence. And we don't connect with him. Or we miss his plans. And I think we do that for the same reason that we have that car accident. Or we burnt that dinner. Or we miss catching that fish. Simply because we weren't paying attention. When God has your attention, you view life differently and you look for God's interventions. Speaking about focus and paying attention, past Soviet leader. Nikita Khrushchev used to tell of a time when there was a wave of petty thefts in the Soviet Union. And so to curtail this, the authorities put guards around uh, each one of the factories. And at one particular factory in Leningrad, the guard knew the workers in the factory very well. And uh, Khrushchev tells that um, one night, um, a guy by the name of Mikhail Petrovich came out with a wheelbarrow and on the wheelbarrow was a great bulk sack with a suspicious-looking object inside. And the guard said, all right, Petrovich. says, what have you got in the sack? And Petrovich says, oh, nothing but shavings and sawdust. 
And the guard says, well, look, I wasn't born yesterday. Come on, tip it out. I want to see what's inside that sack. Tips it out. And what was inside the sack? Shavings and sawdust. So they shove it all back in. Off he goes. Next night, Petrovich comes out, uh, pushing a wheelbarrow. Big bag on top of it. The guard says, what have you got in, in the sack? And he says, shavings and sawdust. Come on, I wasn't born yesterday. Tip it out, tips it out. What's in there? Shavings and sawdust. This happens every night for a week. At the end of the week, the guard's absolutely frustrated. And he says, all right, Petrovich, I, I, I know you're stealing something. I know you're getting away with it. I'll tell you what, look. If you tell me, I won't tell anyone, I promise I won't dob you in, what are you stealing? And Petrovich looked at him and said, wheelbarrows. <laughs> wheelbarrows. You know, sometimes we just miss the obvious. But when our focus is on God, when our focus is on Him, it's amazing how he opens our eyes so we can see the billboards and not get distracted by the little pigs. We can see the wheelbarrows and not get distracted by the sawdust. When God has your attention, you view people, you view life differently, and you become more focused and less weighed down by distractions. You know, when Moses was out in the desert, minding sheep, he sees a bush burning, which wasn't unusual out in the desert. But this particular bush was different because although the bush was burning, it wasn't being burnt up. And it says in Exodus 3, verse 3, So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Verse 4, absolute key. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Moses has an amazing, life-changing encounter with God, all because he went over and looked. When Moses was paying attention God spoke to him. When the apostle John was in exile on the island of Patmos, God had John's attention. And God showed him amazing visions of heaven and earth, what was to come in the future. And in Revelation chapter 4, John writes, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And just out of interest, that door was always there. But this time, John looked. And a voice I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven. 
The door was always there, but John looked and saw it because God has his attention. Attention creates awareness and allows access. We have an open door to heaven through Jesus Christ. We just have to give him our attention. And it doesn't matter what our circumstances are like this morning. God wants to speak to you. He wants to experience us to experience his presence. Moses was in a desert, the backside of a desert, they say. John was a captive in exile. You might think of yourself, you might see your situation, your circumstances, and feel as if you're being crushed, feel as if you're um, being surrounded by problems. You might feel as if you're going nowhere. But even in that situation, God can speak to you because if you give him your attention, you will create access and you will receive from the Heavenly Father. We need to give God our attention, but also we need to focus on what God is saying and doing today. Let's have the musicians. So what's God been saying? Well, to us, the prophetic words to us as a church, we are in a new era of conquest. That gives us confidence that no matter what situations or circumstances we're in, we can take steps forward, we can break new ground. And I don't know if you're like me or not, but I need to move forward in my life. I need to break new ground in my life. I need to go into new things. And God is able to do that because he's already promised that, that we are in a new era of conquest. Uh, he said that he is the Lord of the mighty breakthrough. He is for us. Do you need a breakthrough this morning? Well, give him your attention. You know, I need a breakthrough. One of the frustrating things for me is that I pray for people and they get healed. That's not frustrating. That's great. I love laying hands on people. I love seeing miracles. And we've seen lots and lots and lots of miracles over the years. But then when I get sick and I pray for me, nothing happens. How many have ever had that? Yeah, exactly. That's why the Bible says, hey, are there any sick amongst you? Call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Usually, when you are sick, you're not high in faith. That's why other people come in from outside and pray for you. And that applies to every one of us. Pray. But God is the God of the mighty breakthrough. This is our time. This is such an exciting word for us. This is, this is our time. We are called to this place at this time for such a time as this. You know, I look back and I see some of the great men of faith, Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, all those guys, and they were absolutely fantastic. But did you know that lesser people like you and I can do more in a greater time than greater people can do in a lesser time? This is our time, people. Don't miss it. Grab hold of it. Give God your focus and see what He will do. God will leave us astounded. There are miracles happening that will absolutely leave us astounded. I was talking to an older lady in a congregation on Thursday night at our prayer meeting. She was telling me how she went to 
uh, she went to a meeting. Uh, she'd had back, back pain for years. They prayed for her. her. She said, my leg grew. I've always walked with a limp, she said. And, you know, the, the science mind of mine goes, hey, this is, this is impossible. Uh, she, all they did was they, they stretched the leg like this. or they, they, She said, no, no, it actually grew. Look. And she walked straight and the back pain is gone, just absolutely, completely. Absolute, 100% miracle. God will leave us astounded. He's promised that every person here has a supernatural vocation. He wants to move in you and he wants to move through you in exactly the place that you have been planted, in your neighborhood, in your job situation, in your circumstances. God wants to use you. We are called to make a difference and we're called as global ministers to make a difference in the nations. He says, ask of me. And I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the very ends of the earth for your possession. And so as a church, we've got an inheritance in India, in Europe, in Cambodia. We've got an inheritance in Kalimantan, in Indonesia. We've got an inheritance all over the world. Why? Because God has called us and empowered us to make a difference. People, what's got your attention? Make it God and His Word and His ways, and He will guide you. He will lead you. And when the billboards come up in your life, you'll see them and you won't get distracted by the little pigs. Amen? Come on, let's stand.